This is Live Well Talk on Stroke Rehabilitation. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Uni Point Health St. Luke's. May is National Stroke Awareness Month, and joining me on the podcast today is Kevin Comenda, a senior physical therapist and a colleague that I've worked with in the past uh, at St. Luke's uh, uh, to discuss rehabilitation for stroke patients, common post-stroke issues, types of therapy uh, used, and much more. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dr. Arnold. Yeah, I always no, like talking about stroke. It's important. Yeah. So as a physician, you have a patient that has a stroke. And I, for the listeners, my job is to, if they're in that window of possible intervention to reverse it, we're going to intervene, blood thinner or cerebral angiogram, and, 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 and reverse it. And then we're going to say, okay, uh, let's modify risk factors for stroke, right? Then my job's kind of done at that point. And that's where that's where you guys take over. And so I guess I'm trying to stress that stroke rehabilitation is a huge part of treating a stroke. Uh, you know, it really is. Once yeah. the patient is medically stable, um, that's time for, like you said, the therapist come in and assess. All right. What kind of needs does this person have to um, regain function and participate in their life again in a meaningful way. And uh, so many factors uh, as far as location of stroke and how big the stroke was um, help us kind of lead us to what we're going to need to do for follow-up for therapy. So kind of take us through, we have a patient, they've had a stroke, uh, and what, what does rehab look like? How's goals determined? Um, just to walk us through that for a patient. Yeah, uh, you know, so the initial stroke occurs, like you said, uh, doctors, the staff get them medically stable, and then when they're ready, they'll come to inpatient rehab, and that consists of being able to tolerate over three hours of therapy a day, um, intensive physical, occupational, and speech therapy, and so we meet uh, the patient and help determine what their needs are. Um, some people that have a stroke on the left side of their brain have lost the ability to speak or maybe understand the, the um, spoken language. And so then they get speech therapy. Um, we work with their weak side of their body. Essentially in a nutshell, I explain people my job is to provide a person after a stroke with a safe environment to practice uh, the activities that you and I take for, uh, take for granted on a daily basis. Getting out of bed, stand up, walk to the bathroom, be able to brush your teeth, do your daily routine. They'll work on that with occupational therapy. Be able to walk out into the living room and maybe uh, climb and go up and down stairs. Uh, we work on all those things with our patients and uh, you'll find folks, be they'll be very motivated because they're trying to get back to their life. And if they don't work on these things and provide, we provide that safe environment for them to get the repetitions of activity, um, the brain, uh, without that enriched environment to practice those things, the brain doesn't heal as well, and they have a less chance to get home. So I, we provide that environment to practice those things and hopefully discharge them home. Now, I've been in practice 27 years, and I'll tell you this. People, patients are okay with dying, right? Yeah. Okay? They're like, a, you know, I'm 72. I've had a great life. You know, I, really, that you hear that from them. They're like, yeah. I don't care if I, you know, but... They're all petrified of having that half a stroke that leaves them disabled. I mean, that, I think that's their biggest worst. People worry about that and then getting some sort of aggressive cancer. Those are like the two things that really weigh on people's mind. You I know? agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and so, but 
stroke is not just an old person disease. Can you talk about like maybe the youngest patient you had, what they had wrong with them as compared to our kind of the normal elderly patient? Yeah, you know, I, I think you make a really good point about, uh, you know, I've had a good life, all this, I'm, I'm ready to be done, uh, but they survive it. And now what? And it's amazing to see the psychological turnaround on these individuals of wanting to throw it in to seeing like, oh man, you know, with work, I can walk again. I can participate. I can go to my grandchildren's baseball games and basketball. And you see this huge turnaround psychologically on those, a lot of our individuals. It's very, I, I find it to be one of my most highly motivated populations. Um, and it's just getting that initial buy-in and they, they kind of get over that fear and they learn that they can still be very productive and be happy and enjoy their families again. And uh, thankfully uh, they can do those things. And with, with a lot of therapy and a lot of hard work, we see some tremendous outcomes. Um, there are folks that is too much. And uh, for those individuals, sometimes they'll go to a skilled nursing facility or go to a nursing home and uh, that they're just so affected that they, they can't, the brain has just been too damaged to have the improvement. And thankfully that's fairly rare. Um, but we, we do see that as well. I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I find them to be some of the more motivated patients I work with. Uh, Cause they really, once they survive it, the, the goal to get better, they see it's achievable. And it's pretty cool to work with that and be a part of that team. Now, when, it, when a younger person has a stroke, is their outcome just as the same or is it better than an elderly patient? It's kind of yeah. self-answering question because we know elderly have other risk factors and comorbid conditions. You know, I always say patients don't die from their stroke. They die from the pneumonia and the bladder infection that caused sepsis right after their stroke, you know? Yeah, you're right. And, and we see better recoveries with younger folks. Their brains are just more fertile for uh, regrowth, regeneration, creating new pathways. Uh, we've unfortunately in the past year, we had some, a 12 year old post-stroke and it's rare, but it happens. Um, and her outcome has been really good. She's back to running, trying to participate in her basketball league. Uh, you know, and it's the, the middle age with young children at home, those individuals. I was just telling somebody, I've had a few tremendous recoveries in my career in Minnesota. I worked with a, he had a stroke while fighting a fire as a firefighter, and he had a nearly 100% recovery. Um, now, he was a big, strong guy, and motivation was through the roof. Um, but we see some great outcomes with those younger patients. Uh, they may not get back to running marathons, but they can get pretty close. And I, I think you brought up a good point earlier that it's just not physical therapy, you know, so even a smaller stroke will benefit with rehab. Yeah. Because occupational speech. Yeah, it's all about the location of, of that stroke in the brain and what it affects. Um, our speech therapists are really great at working on can this person express themselves? And if not, what technology is out there now with iPads and all kinds yeah, of different yeah. ways to communicate uh, and really utilizing that. Our occupational therapists uh, here in inpatient rehab, they really work with the upper extremity, the arm. Uh, often the arm is more effective than the leg and getting that hand dexterity back so you can tie your shoes, so you can type, so you can hold onto a phone and dial it. All those things uh, takes a ton and ton of practice and it uh, takes a lot of therapy to get those things back. So it's a really team effort, which I love. Yeah, Th this is maybe a tough question to answer, but I think listeners are listening for this answer. When post a stroke, when is it, okay, this is as good as it's going to get. Uh, yeah, we I, I've seen patients keep working at it and stay optimistic. I've seen people improve up to a year after it. 
But but in your experience, what it I, I think that weighs heavily on people's minds. Yeah, what research has shown is those first three months after stroke are where you're going to have your your biggest gains, where you'll go from I can't even move my leg, I can't stand, to being able to walk and climb stairs. That first three months are so critical, and that's why that's why I have a job. I'm in those first three months and providing yeah. that intensive rehabilitation to get those gains. If that didn't happen, there would be no need for me. Now things level that's, off. That's why we have Six West, the rehab. <laughs> Really? Yeah, 100%. That's why I have a job. The brain is plastic and can heal. Um, after that first three months, things slow down. But I, I tell people, I say never say never about recovery because I'm like you, uh, Dr. Arnold. I've seen people a year later recover things that they couldn't do before. All of a sudden, their hand will start to move in a better way, a different way. Um, so you know, I really try to keep my patients motivated. Don't give up. But uh, the real honest conversation is after the first three months, things really do slow down and you have to stay on top of it if you want to continue to see more gains. I don't know if you've seen this in your career, but I've seen this a dozen times. Patient has a stroke that left maybe a left-sided weakness that improved over time with rehab. Okay. And then they get an overwhelming, let's say pneumonia admitted to the hospital like three, four, five years later. And that left side of weakness comes back. Yeah. And and I've always thought it's kind of left, right brain making up for stuff, you know, and when the brain gets distracted, it that weakness comes back. And, and sometimes that's shocking to people because, you know, here they recover and they're like, and I always say, don't worry about it. It's going to, you know, come back. Uh, and have you ever seen that? Yes, for sure. Uh, we do see that um, almost kind of a backslide. And I think they're just, they're skating on such thin ice. They're kind of on the edge of this cliff and they're, yeah. they're surviving and doing it. And if anything nudges them off of that cliff a little bit, it really can be a big setback. And whether it's the brain, like you said, the brain distracted with recovery of other things and they just are, are using fewer, fewer neurons and fewer, fewer muscle fibers in their leg or arm and anything that sets, knocks that off course, it's a setback. And so we see a lot of repeat customers and they do improve after those setbacks again and get back yeah, to baseline yeah. for the most part, but it's scary for them. Yeah. Well, you know, I, most patients are treading water on a good day and you start handing them bricks, like IE a brick of pneumonia, a brick of sepsis, and it gets difficult uh, to say the Absolutely. least. Uh, I, I think uh, the other thing that kind of uh, I see on my side is, okay, let's say they have weakness in their right hand and the, the so in the morning, the doctor rounds and, you know, OK, it's made some progress overnight. Then all day long, the patient is tr checking to make sure it's still there. The family comes in, move your hand, mom, move your hand. <laughs> so then like 4 p.m. rolls around and like now the hand's just completely fatigued. Right. Right. You know, like, oh, my gosh, my stroke is, come, is getting worse. And, no, you've just been, you know, running a marathon with your hand all day. You know, I don't know if you see that, but I always we, we do uh, that neural fatigue. We even see yeah. it so on inpatient rehab at the end of a week. Uh, on Friday, we'll sometimes see decreased performance um, because they're, they're fatigued. And, and I talk to my patients about sleep hygiene is so key for to sleep and recover uh, in between and even taking naps during the day. And that's been clinically proven to help your recovery is just to recharge that brain and let it rest. Like you said, if you keep trying to do something over and over, you wear it out. Get a nap, take a rest. And then by you know, after a weekend on Monday morning, we'll see people do things they couldn't have done the previous week. They got some rest and recovery, and we see some great progress on Mondays. I'm glad to hear someone reaffirm that taking naps are good, because I love to. Um, <laughs> yeah. But my wife, she's such a hard worker. She's like, the sun's up. You don't sleep when the sun's up. 
But seriously, I mean, she never takes naps. You know, never. Well, she should check uh, it out. It's it's a wonderful. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it should be a hobby or maybe an occupation. <laughs> could be good. There so, we go. Well, how long are people usually up on rehab? Yeah, our, our stroke population, uh, it's around between two to three weeks. I think our average length of stay post-stroke is right around that two-week mark. Uh, I just had a gentleman stay here for five weeks uh, in insurance. Uh, we showed progress and let uh, kind of help keep pain on that, uh, on that stay. Uh, around that two-week mark with some variation up and down from that, depending on severity. And did, is that followed up with some outpatient sort of continued therapy? I would say 100% of our patients that are discharged from inpatient rehab either go to outpatient therapy or, or do in-home therapy, in -home, depending yeah. on like, their level and their ability to get to outpatient therapy. But they all continue on with something. You know, it it wouldn't be a, a, I know you're more rehabilitation, but I think we should go over uh, signs of a stroke. Maybe we should have started that at the beginning because I think listeners should know. Um, it, what, what are the signs of an acute stroke? The, the big national campaign is to think of the acronym FAST. And so the F of FAST is face. You look at a, for a facial droop, you see that in somebody that's a 911 call. Uh, the A in face is their arm. You'll see arm weakness. If they're all of a sudden they're dropping their coffee cup and then their face is drooping, that's 911. Um, this, um, on the, um, the fast, I'm sorry, I think I said face, fast, the, the S is speech. So you'll have a slurred, mumbled speech. Um, and again, that's from their facial droop. And if it's on the left side of their brain, they could be having a damage to their uh, speech center of their brain. And then the T is time. You got it. We're in about a three hour window for some of those clot busting drugs to get from the onset of the stroke to get to the ED where they can uh, deliver the proper meds. It's a short time window. And uh, even if that's for a clot and for a bleed, it's so important to get into the hospital because they may have to do an emergent surgery to relieve pressure on your brain um, so you don't perish. Time yeah. is of the essence, as you know. Especially younger patients, you know, it's been shown they benefit from that early craniotomy. Absolutely. With big MCA, middle cerebral artery stroke. So. Um, and we see the, after a bleed, it's a, it can be a life-threatening situation, but those patients actually have more recovery than our uh, patients that have had a stroke post-clot. So wow. it's, that time is so important. Yeah, I, I always encourage patients, you let us determine whether or not it's a stroke or not. Don't sit okay. at home and say, well, I don't think this is. Let us, you know, they'll say, when should I come to the ER? Whenever you have symptoms, we'll send you away and pat you on the back and say that wasn't a stroke, everything's cool, uh, or else we'll intervene and pre preserve function of the brain. I mean, we've had so many patients that have driven themselves to the hospital because they were in a state of denial and they were actively having a stroke while driving uh, just because they don't want to believe it's true. They think they're going to be okay or they'll, uh, it happened in the morning, but they don't come in until the evening. Um, and your, your advice is uh, just absolutely correct. When you feel like something's wrong, let the doctors determine how severe it is and what needs to be done. Don't try to make that choice yourself. Right. Absolutely. Well, all the guests uh, or almost all the guests get asked why they started something. So how, how, take me through your path to being a physical therapist. Yeah, uh, I was a biology major. I grew up in Nebraska. I was a chemistry minor, bio, bio major, depending, wondering what to do with my life to a degree, playing college football. I damaged my knee pretty bad. I had surgery. Went, underwent the recovery process and the rehab, and I discovered physical therapy. 
And I, I kind of got into it, got into physical therapy school after that. I uh, was in Rochester at Mayo Clinic and did a, a clinical rotation on their inpatient rehab site and worked with some folks post-stroke, post-spinal cord injury. And I just actually absolutely fell in love with the, that patient population. We're a part of a team with our physiatrists, which is our physical medicine rehabilitation doctors, our OTs, our speech therapists, our nursing staff, our rec therapists. And I love being part of that team and working together to help patients succeed. And I've been doing it for over 20 years now. Definitely, I think inpatient rehab is one of the most upbeat, optimistic, uh, positive job fulfilled units in the hospital because they're paid they get to see their patients get better yeah you know and yeah, on yeah. the acute i i find that's true out in the wound clinic too you know you they keep coming back and you see you can visually see them getting better where like you know you don't you don't yeah your heart failure patients no longer in heart failure but you don't get to actually see them improving because they're not there long enough so you guys do a great job i'm, I'm really it it, it is it is a crown jewel of a hospital, quite honestly, our inpatient rehab. Well, thank you. And it, it's so great to be a part of this team. And uh, all the way from the acute care they receive here at St. Luke's, all the way up through 6 West and then on to outpatient. Just being a, a part of that is very special and it's really fulfilling. Awesome. Hey, Kevin, thank you for joining me. Uh, this has been great information. Again, this is Kevin Comenda, Senior Physical Therapist at St. Luke's uh, Rehabilitation. For more information on rehab services, uh, at St. Luke's, call St. Luke's Physical Medicine and Rehab, 319-369-7331. That's 319-369-7331. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.